Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Good morning, Mercy Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Northeast, good morning. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're having a good weekend. And hopefully you guys know that Christmas is right around the corner. Um, If you don't, stores are still open. Um, But we're glad that you're here. Like, I'm glad that you're here. Um, If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Josh Jones. I get to serve here as a community life pastor, which means that I get to help provide oversight and serve in the different areas that that have to do with a lot of our discipleship here. So community groups, equip, student ministry, and several other things like that. And I mean, we're so glad you're here and visiting with us. As you guys will see, that one of the things that we value is that we always want to be keeping the gospel at the center of everything that we do. So that includes our time in corporate worship. Um, We want to value that greatly. We want to value helping you take your next step in following Jesus, wherever that may be. We know that people come here from a variety of different backgrounds and experiences, and God's gifted you with different things, and we want to be a part of helping you figure out the next step that God has for you in following him. We also have a really high value on community, right? We believe that God desires for us to grow in Christ's likeness, surrounded by other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we've got different community groups scattered throughout Charlotte um, where we get to gather together and help exactly just that, help each other grow and becoming more like Christ. So if you are visiting with us or you're new here, we would love for you to connect to the body of Christ here at Mercy and join in what we're doing as we're trying to become more like Christ together. But as we kick off our time this morning in this, this, our, our fourth um, lesson in our Advent series, I want to start off by asking a question. What would you be willing to do for 50 grand? What would you be willing to step into if you knew that on the other side of it, there would be a payday? What would you be willing to give what would you be willing to sacrifice? I used to love watching a TV show called Fear Factor. I don't know if you guys ever watched Fear Factor, um, but for those of you who haven't seen it, Fear Factor was a television game show where teams of men and women were pitted against each other in challenges that tested their fears, right? their fear of heights. Um, it tested their fear of like insects and, and, and all kinds of other crazy things. It tested how strong their, their gut was, like how... How could, what could they eat, right? Things that you wouldn't even want to mention out loud. Um, and they would do it, and they would step into it willingly to try and win 50000 I remember watching the show and cringing at the challenges that involved eating nasty things or challenges that required you to let snakes or insects crawl all over you. But the stunts, right, like the jumping from high places or, or running across airplane wings, like that's the kind of stuff that I'd be in for, right? I'd do that all day long. And one of the episodes was literally described as airplane walk, snake face-off, car launch. Like airplane walk, I'm good with. Snake face-off, not so much. Car launch, I don't know what that is, but I'd figure it out, right? And the other one was like truck jump, 
worm coffin, catapult, like again, truck jump, good, worm coffin, no, right? We're not, we're not worm coffining, right? But this show, they would have contestants literally lined up for days, willing to subject themselves to all this stuff for 50,000. But what if we took this game and we, and we flipped the rules a little bit? Right? What if the contestants had to perform these death-defying stunts, eat gross insects and bugs, also that someone else could take home the 50 grand? Would they do it? Or do you think they, they could even find anybody to participate in this game? What about you? Right? Would you do it? Would you be willing to step in and face your fears, the things that would terrify you for someone else's benefit? Hold on right here, and we're going to circle back around to this. I think it will make sense while we start out this way. But when you and I think about Christmas, right, our minds can often run in a, a bunch of different directions. Right? We think about lights. We think about decorations. We think about parties and presents. We think about helping those in need. We think about the birth of Jesus and even the life of Jesus. But maybe we don't give as much time to thinking about the what, like what he came to do and what he did while he was here, what he stepped into when he came into the world. And over the past several weeks, as we've been in our Advent series, we've been looking in the book of Isaiah, right? And we've seen that Isaiah talks all about Jesus. And I, and I love that so much because it, it wasn't for me, it wasn't until after college that I, I, I started to gain this understanding that Jesus wasn't just talked about in the New Testament and in the Old Testament it was all about God the Father, but Jesus is present throughout the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation, right? And so we see Jesus in Genesis, right? And then we see John, the, the apostle, talk about how, how Jesus was there at the beginning of the foundations of the world, and actually that, that all things were made through him, that all things were made by him, and all things were made for him. Right, and as we watch the story, really, of humanity and creation begin to unfold in the scriptures, as we see man fall away from what God intended them to be because of sin, we also see a God who willingly steps in to our lives, a God who willingly sent his son Jesus to rescue us. We see Jesus, the son of God, willing to leave his throne in heaven to come to earth, born in a stable. Right, willing to suffer and die so that we might be forgiven. So mercy, as we enter into this week, I want to encourage us to just stop for a minute. Right, kids, like middle school students, high school students, college, wherever you are on the age range, let's just stop for a minute and consider Jesus who willingly stepped into our world, right, our broken world, knowing that he would be rejected, knowing that he would suffer and he would die. And his reward would be your redemption. That's where this feeds back into fear factor. Right? They, they stepped into the things that scared them for their reward. Jesus stepped into things that would be horrific to us for our reward. And our text this morning is Isaiah 53. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open there. And here we find ourselves jumping into a song. Right, you guys maybe didn't know that Isaiah was a songwriter, um, but there's actually four songs in Isaiah, and they're called servant songs, and each one communicates something to us about the coming Savior. And the one we're going to look at this morning is the fourth and last of the servant songs, and it's a pretty popular one. 
right? If this was a four-song album that you could download on iTunes, this song would be the one with the most downloads, right? Of the some 80 references to Isaiah in the New Testament, most of them come from this song, right? And what's important for us to know as we get into this is that this song is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and how he willingly stepped into our broken world, our world that's been broken by sin, right? He willingly stepped in to be our substitute, He took the punishment for sin that you and I deserve, the punishment that all humanity deserves. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, God made him, made the one who didn't know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's called the great exchange, right? That our holy and righteous God would would take on our sin and give us his righteousness, Jesus The servant stepped into our world and became sin so that in him we could be forgiven. And this is what I want us to hear this morning. Like This is the image of God that I hope that we can walk out with. Is that that we have a God, we serve a God that steps in and not away. And that's good news. Isn't that what we long for from God and from others? Is just a willingness to step in and not away. Right? Think about it. I'm sure that it's not hard for you to think of a time when you really just wished someone would have stepped into a hardship with you, but instead you felt them step away. But our God is a God who steps in, and he willingly steps in towards us, even with all of our brokenness. So as we work through this song in Isaiah, my goal is going to be to highlight for us the different ways that we see Jesus stepping in. And as I've spent time in Isaiah 53, there is just so much in it. Right? And, and the thing that kind of causes me to tremble in, a little bit is, is this passage has so many deep and rich truths about who our Heavenly Father is and the salvation that He offers us that I, I can't possibly capture it with my words and in a single sermon. And so I hope that you guys will take this home and spend time meditating on it yourself and studying it. But initially in, in, in Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3, we see that he is willing to step into rejection. In verse two, it says, he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground, he didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. In other words, he is relatively unimpressive. And in verse three, it goes on and says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Jesus wasn't surprised by the rejection he faced. In fact, it was because of the rejection that he came as he did. And where maybe his rejection shouldn't surprise us either, it is startling, right? That the very people he made wanted nothing to do with him, the very people he had given breath of life to, walked away from him. The very people he was sustaining turned away and said that he offered no value to their lives, considered him worthless. It literally says he was despised and rejected. The king of the universe, the one who spoke creation into existence, formed man out of the dust of the earth in his own image. John, again, captures it in his gospel this way. In chapter 1, verse 10, it says, he, Jesus was, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Can you imagine? 
Right? Could you imagine how you would feel as the creator and sustainer of the world, right? to see the people you loved and created so quickly and effortlessly seeming despise you, right? reject you? I mean, I know how I feel when I make even just like a dinner for my kids and they complain about it. And I'm like, you didn't earn this. You didn't work for it. And dadgummit, these are really good hot dogs, right? <laughs> it's like, you, have, you owe me nothing but to say, thank you, dad, for these amazing hot dogs, right? Similarly, like, Jesus stepped into rejection, but the response he should have received from us is one of worship and one of gratitude, right? And we often look at it whenever I read through the Old Testament and whenever I when I have really through all of scripture and I'm, and I'm watching how people respond to God and I'm seeing how they reject him or they turn from him or they fail to trust him, it's so easy for me to point the finger and go, how could you? Like, how could you, how could you do that to God? How could you do that to his son? How could you respond in that way? How could you not trust him to do again what we've seen him do over and over and over again throughout all of scripture. And when I get into those moments, I have to pause, right, and flip the question back on myself. I have to flip the question back on us. What about me? Right? What are the ways that I'm prone to despise Jesus? Right? What are the ways that I'm prone to walk away from him and treat him as though he had no value and was worthless? And since it's Christmas, right, we'll, we'll use this as an example. Right? What's, what's most central in your home right now? Right? Is it the tree in all its splendor, the beautifully wrapped presents, or is it giving thanks to the one who made you and gave his life so that you could have life? Now, I'm not suggesting that you replace your tree with a nativity set. That might be a good idea. But I do think if we're not careful we can get so caught up with the festivities of Christmas and the celebrations that we miss giving thanks and praise to our Savior. And that's just Christmas. Right? But we could go on and enlisting ways that we despise and reject Jesus in our daily lives. Right? Every time we prefer ourselves to someone else. Right? Every time we prioritize our desire and passions over obedience, we are essentially despising. And that's a strong word. We're despising Jesus and failing to value and prioritize the authority he should have, rightfully deserves to have over our lives. But in spite of all this, right, in spite of our rejection of him, in spite of man's rejection of him, he still willingly steps in. And in verse 4 through 6, we see that he willingly stepped in to bear our sin. It says, yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regard him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. Right? Essentially, humanity looked at the suffering Messiah and thought, well, he must have done something to deserve this punishment that God's put him through. In verse 5, it says, but he was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we're healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep, and we all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Guys, this is such an important part of the song. Right? Even though Jesus would be despised and rejected, Isaiah says 
that he would still willingly step in to carry our sickness and pain. Right? He would carry it with him to the cross to be pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Right? And Isaiah goes on to write and says, the punishment of our peace was on him. Right? Hear that? Like peace was gone between God and man because of our sin. There's no peace between us. And the only way peace could be restored was through death. It was either going to be man's death or the son of God's death. Right? And if it would be through man's death, then the result would be eternal condemnation and separation. But if it would be through Christ's death and his resurrection... Right? If he would take on our punishment for our sin as only he could do, then it would result in restoration and reconciliation. In other words, we would be restored back into a right relationship with God as if we had never sinned. And it's only through Christ that sinful man is able to be restored into a relationship with God. It's only through Christ that our sins are forgiven. And the scriptures say, when we are in Christ, we are actually given his righteousness, right? That's that 2 Corinthians verse again, right? That God made Jesus to be sin for your sake and mine so that we could have his righteousness. He willingly stepped in. He offered himself as a substitute, and he took our place. Where the scriptures called us enemies, he still stepped in and took our place and restored peace to us horizontally between us and God vertically. Sorry, this is vertical. <laughs> but that spills out horizontally, right, into every relationship we have, right? And I believe that God puts a desire in our hearts for peace, right? You can even meet people on the street who, who don't have much of an opinion on who God is or, or even their need for salvation, and they can articulate a desire for peace, or, or they can understand that they don't currently have peace. And, and I think in a way that this is God providing a whisper to us, letting us know that something's off. Right? And that's something that's off doesn't first have to do with our relationships with people or our circumstances. Right? Scripture shows us and testifies to us that peace must first be established between man and God. And this peace can only come from him and through him. Right? The reality of humanity is that we have all turned away. Right? And this is what Isaiah is getting at in verse 6. He says, we all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way. We have tried to make our own way by looking to ourselves and to created things of this world to provide for us what only our creator can give us, right? And rather than leaving all of humanity to suffer the just punishment that we deserve, God steps in. He sent Jesus, and Jesus came, and he willingly stepped in to suffer and die. And that brings us to our next point in verses 7 through 10. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed, and he will prolong his days, and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Oppressed 
afflicted. Like a lamb, he would be killed. What a terrible assignment to step into, right? Is that a job description that anybody would want? The son endured, the son of God endured outrageous legal treatment, twisted justice from the hands of his oppressors. And it's interesting, I think, to see this in contrast to um, God's people Israel, who at the time were experiencing suffering and oppression, right? Israel's suffering was the result of their sin and their rebellion against God, right? Rather than trusting their heavenly father, they chose to turn their own way, and now they were experiencing the consequences of that. Jesus, however was perfect and innocent. His suffering was undeserved, and yet he still willingly steps in as a substitute. He allowed others to kill him without protesting, which means he wasn't a helpless victim, right? He willingly stepped in and laid down his life. And in the Gospel of John, again, in chapter 10, Jesus is quoted as saying, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my father. Jesus' suffering was not at the hands of his creation. It was an intentional act on his part. He willingly stepped in. He wasn't ignorant to what he was about to endure for the sake of humanity. He wasn't bitter or ticked off. He wasn't, you wouldn't find him grumbling going, good night, if Adam and Eve only, like there was, how many trees were in the garden? Right? And they had to stumble across the one. Like he wasn't mumbling and complaining. Like he willingly stepped in. And in Hebrews, the author puts it this way He says, It's for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, right? despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in a way that we may never fully comprehend, at least this side of eternity, the Father was pleased to crush his son. And it was the son's joy to endure suffering and die as a substitute for you and I. So why would God find pleasure in this? Maybe because he knew that his suffering would provide, what his suffering would provide for humanity, right? This servant would be the guilt offering that would provide life for all who would put their trust in him. Those who put their trust in Christ are the seed Isaiah is talking about in verse 10. If you guys I've heard of the Abrahamic covenant where God came to Abraham and he promised him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. We see Jesus fulfilling this and making this possible, right? And now let's look and see how this song wraps up in the last couple of verses where we see that Jesus willingly steps in so that we could be justified. And in verse 11, it says, after his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied, By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and intercedes for the rebels. Church, let's not take lightly the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because it was through his anguish, and the ESV says the anguish of his soul, that God's wrath was satisfied. And yet anguish wasn't his final emotion. His anguish led to joy. The very Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, buried. It's the Apostles' Creed. This Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death, and as a result, the many 
would be justified. As a result, we can be justified. He was counted, it says, among rebels. He bore the sins of the rebel. Now he intercedes for the rebel. And who are the rebels? It's us. It's us. It's humanity. Because of sin, we're born and separated from our holy God. But check this out. This is how Paul describes it in Romans 5. He says, for while we were still helpless, right? This is our position apart from Christ. Helpless, dead, separated. But while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's the substitutionary work we've been talking about. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This Mercy Church is what we're celebrating this Christmas. As we gather with family, as we gather with friends, as we celebrate times of Advent and worship in our home, as we look on different nativities that are put in people's yards or maybe in our own living room, as we look upon the face of the baby Jesus, do we see what he came to do? Do we see what he came to give so that we might have life? So how should we respond? Right? If you're here and you've yet to respond to Jesus as your Savior, that's your first next step. Right? You currently do not have peace with the Holy God apart from Christ. But that peace can be yours. When you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus for salvation, when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, that peace can be restored between you and your maker. And if you're here and you you know Jesus, I think our our proper response is worship. Our proper response is to worship God, and then to follow the example that Christ sets for us, that just as he was willing to step in for us, are we willing to step in and towards others? Mercy Church, are we willing to step in and towards others? Are we willing to step towards people rather than away from them? Right? Each of us, every day, we have an opportunity to step towards somebody who's in pain, to step towards somebody who's struggling with sin, to step towards somebody who's hurting, Will we take this opportunity? This could, like give, could look like giving our time, our resources, right? figuring out how we can serve those in our community. Right? Our community groups are actually designed for this. They're designed to create gospel community. And, and when we talk about gospel community, essentially we're talking about a group of people that are committed to Jesus, they're committed to, God, to the gospel, and they're committed to one another. Right? They're willing to step into and towards the lives of those that are in their group. And that's my prayer for us, that we would see the example of Christ who stepped in and towards us and that it would radically change our lives to where we step in and towards those who are in the world around us with the hope of Christ. So I'm going to pray, but I'd like to invite our band to come on up right now. Um, If you guys want to bow your heads and then we'll have a chance to respond and worship. God, God, we read in 1 Peter that Christ is our example and that we're to follow in his steps. God, when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. 
When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. God, would we be people, a people who wholly entrust ourselves and our circumstances to you who judges justly. God, as we enter into this week leading up to Christmas Day, God, we may remember what it is that Christ came to do on our behalf. He bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. For we were like sheep and we had gone astray, but God, now we can return to you through Christ as our shepherd and the overseer of our soul. And God, I pray that we would not forget, God, the the gift that that is. That we wouldn't forget the immeasurable display of your love towards us. God, that you would step in. And while we were still sinners, God, you stepped in to give us new life. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.